you guys so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, I'm just really, really excited to have this conversation. I've appreciated both of your work. Paul and I have interacted more in person in Meet Space. We've, <laughs> we've actually uh, talked and, and spent some time together. But Erica, you've it's all of our appreciation for you, at least on my end, has been from afar. So uh, appreciate what you guys do. Appreciate Unchained. Um, and yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this. So we just kind of want to talk about this idea of comparing Bitcoin and God. Um, and so what are the things about Bitcoin that lend it to being compared that way? You know, in what sense do we mean those things or, or, or are those helpful comparisons or not? So what I'm going to do is I wouldn't, would love to ask both of you, first of all, just introduce yourselves for people at home who may not be a, a, acquainted with your work. Um, Eric, why don't you go ahead and go first? Cool. Yeah, my, my name is Eric Kaysen. I've been involved in the Bitcoin space for about 10 years. I was at Coinbase for four years. I was at Unchained for another year. Uh, and I really got interested in a lot of the philosophical issues around Bitcoin. So I have a blog called Crypto Sovereignty, and I have about 25 different articles kind of sort of all over the place. It's much more of a constellation than it is uh, a linear sort of reading. Gotcha. Paul, I'm Paul. I, uh, I have been into Bitcoin, let's see, since, since it's been about four or five years. I work at Voltage as a front-end developer. I've uh, written a, a little bit um, on my personal blog, but I'm like a little, I'm a little wary of, of, of step stepping into some sort of a think boy territory. Uh, and I've just been so indebted to uh, a, a lot of the, you know, writers who've come before and thought like really heavily about the philosophical impl implications of Bitcoin. And uh, uh, so I, I feel like I've still really have a lot to learn. Uh, I had this opportunity to speak at Thank God for Bitcoin. I got to put put out a piece that I've been trying to write and hadn't really managed to write, um, and so I was able to turn it into a talk, and and I got a really good response. But it's it's stuff that I'm still trying to you know figure out myself for sure. Yeah. Also, in a previous life, Paul was the senior editor for TheVerge.com, so he's he's been in in technology more broadly for for a good long time. Uh, Paul, what was kind of your um, in your piece, what was kind of your your question or your critique? What what was it you were trying to figure out um, that maybe that got, caught your attention by Eric's work? Yeah, so there there are have been a number of pieces that I've seen uh, pop pop up um, on Medium or, or linked to on Bitcoin Twitter or published in Bitcoin Magazine that in some way or another basically refer to Bitcoin as God or. Uh, serving the same role as God or serving their same, like a saving role like Jesus. Um, I, I think, Eric, you have a piece, Messianic Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so that would bother me uh, when I would see a piece like that. And I was like, they just don't get it. And they don't even know. Um, and uh, when I would try to write it, 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 would, it wouldn't really come out very well because I couldn't even quite tell, like, am I trying to convince the person that wrote this to change their mind who am I even like talking to um, and so I think what was helpful for the talk I gave in God versus Bitcoin is that it's really kind of an indictment on myself in the sense that as a Christian I believe God is God and that all other things are created and therefore inferior to God and and so it's wrong to prize something at, at, at that level to think of something as good as God or as, as great as God or as infinite 
um, or as perfect as God. I believe there's sort of like one throne in my heart, to use like the Christian terminology. And so is God on that throne or, or am I placing Bitcoin on that throne? Eric, why don't you just give us a little bit of framework, a little bit of information about the framework through which you're, you're writing these pieces. You, had, you mentioned Messianic Bitcoin. Um, I, this one I just blew my mind. I mean, the, eschat- the eschatological task hidden in Bitcoin. Sure, these are themes that as former pastor missionary, like, I mean, I just, this, I mean, I just get very excited about these kind of topics. What is the framework um, through which you're, you're thinking about, you're thinking about Bitcoin in these contexts? Yeah, so, so just to clarify, uh, you know, like I'm non-denominational uh, for various reasons. We can go into that. Uh, I would view myself closest to perhaps being some form of Protestant. Uh, like the the main version of the Bible that I read is the Jeffersonian Bible, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, but I really approach Bitcoin through a continental philosophy lens, which led me to a lot of 20th century philosophers. And one of the ones I found the most valuable was explicitly Carl Schmitt because of the way that he has a very fiery critique of liberalism and the functions of the political system. And essentially his whole view is that vis-a-vis the state of emergency, the law can always be overcame and it sort of descends into authoritarianism. So for me, when I looked at this ability for states to be able to kind of steal people's money, call it legal, kill people, call that legal, uh, to me, it indicates a form of lawlessness that is Mm -hmm. incapable of the state actually being able to achieve. And then when I look at Bitcoin, it seems to have all these really crazy functions, you know, most particularly that it seems to be able to maintain its oath to itself, both in terms of uh, the sacrosanct that like is cryptography inside of it. And also other facets, such as the 10-minute block time, the 21 million units. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do believe in most of my pieces, I never try to make the exact corollary that like Bitcoin is God. Because um, one, I, you know, I also find that inflammatory because I do believe that you know, God is of the greatest and the most numerous. You know, he is the apexal order of all things and nothing is yeah. to be equivalent to his eminence or his cause. Uh, with that being said... I believe what Bitcoin is, uh, and totally indifferent to the monetary system or how that affects, but that we now have a form of linguistics that communicates value. But what gives it its value is the fact that we can't lie using this form of linguistics. And so to me, what's so uh, eminent about that is specifically approaching that. uh, Again, this comes from, from continental philosophy, specifically Nietzsche. Is that like we've descended into the night that is modernity? You know, Nietzsche declared in, I think it was 1886, God was dead. And not so much it was like mm-hmm. trying to put the nails in the coffin, but he was pointing out more of we live in a society because of the atheist approach that it takes towards everything. It does all of this uncovering methodology that destroys the eminence of God vis a vis this sort of logical position. Like it, it extricates us from. Uh, the holisticness that we have with our soul, our body, you know, the all of these things that make us up. And so now we live in this very deeply divided world where like science is over here, religion is over here. They can't have any relationship to each other. And so what I think is that essentially by the way that Bitcoin has us encounter this form of truth, that for most of us, it's so radical and beyond anything we've experienced that for many of us, it actually does become a spiritual transformation and it's because of that encounter with the radical truth that's contained inside of it. Um, and so I think that gives a brief synopsis of some of my work. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, 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 and, and and also the other I just want to say is, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy these discussions way more than the economics or otherwise, because you know, I I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong. I don't really care. Uh, I'm much more interested in kind of getting in the nitty gritty of it and just trying to figure out what what is this like? What is this thing we're dealing with? How how is it affecting us? These sort of questions. There's a really interesting term that I definitely had to Google um, in one of your pieces of destituent power. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of, can you maybe explain that? Because I think that will help me understand a little bit what, what you're getting at with this, this idea. Because there's a theme in Christianity of the law in you know the Old Testament. And then Christ comes to, he says not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. But so I feel like destituent power almost seems related to that conceptually. It is. And this is kind of one of the very interesting things, particularly about continental philosophy, is it very much takes the approach like theology isn't something separate from it. Like it's it's an important Mm -hmm. facet that we want to integrate and discuss. And so I I do believe he might have actually because there's a term that Giorgio Ambigan uses, who was sort of my first philosophical love who led me into this. And he has a great series called Homo Secure which is specifically dealing with uh, the etymological and historic context of people that can be killed but not sacrificed. Because essentially he sees Mm -hmm. that there's a whole lineage of people that can always be legally declared uh, like an enemy of the state to be killed. And so this is a really important feature because distinction power is about the idea that uh, anytime that we're making law, it's a constituent form of law where we say, hey, we all agree that this is the law and this is the thing that we make to be the law. And then when that gets in power, it's also and like, oh, check it out. Like we can also use violence under that context to create the law. So there's a great quote from him where he talks about the, the problem with statism as we see it today is that there's this constant oscillating factor of how the law operates. It essentially constituates its law, utilizes violence to enforce that law. This doesn't work. Revolutionary violence counters it and overcomes it, declares itself to be the new purveyor of the law. And now we go through this pattern again, you know, and uh, as Christians, you're probably quite familiar with how this pattern plays out. Uh, and it turns out that actually the way to disengage it is is actually this full refusal to have anything to do with it. So he, he has another term that he likes to use is inoperativity, sort of like this, this freezing or almost refusal. And I, I like to reference uh, Bartleby is the Scrivener of Wall Street. And, and in that story, essentially, the, the Scrivener Bartleby, he starts refusing to do anything. And it ultimately results in him being killed. But the lawyer who ends up with this problem of Bartley, Bartleby refusing to do work, won't work with him, he, he eventually moves out of his office, knows Bartleby, gets in prison, he tries to go help him. But this is much more about the story of the lawyer coming to terms with how Bartleby's refusal to engage in what he believes to be unethical, how that actually affects and changes him. And he ultimately ends the passage with like, oh, Bartleby, oh, humanity, sort of speaking to the terminology of how that functions. So I'm sorry, that was kind of a long diatribe just to give you a definition. Well, yeah, can you thing. can you link that up to Bitcoin a little bit as like, as in some sense, a refusal to, uh, or it's a, yeah, you could probably put it a lot better than, than yeah, me. Yeah, the way there, I see it is that something. It, Somehow, it, it, Bitcoin's a reaction to the law, in a way. Yes. Or is Bitcoin just and, like and the newest the, instantiation of of this law? Like it's just the newest law that's going to be 
agreed on, fought over, and potentially at some point replaced. <laughs> yeah, like and in, in the way that I perceive it, it, it has a much deeper relationship with uh, philosophical or religious law because it's it's not about the authoritarian functions and the punishments within that law, but it's about saying, hey, we're going to create a new law that operates within side of the parameters of physics, and no longer are we going to rely on authority, and even more explicitly than authority, no longer are we going to rely on violence. And to me, like that's mm -hmm. sort of the big thing that makes it so important, is that it makes this methodology of nonviolence it intermingles it economically in a way to give us a totally new and different strategy of politics that's never existed before, perhaps with the only exception of the early astrological or, or I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing it. I'm not going to say it. The early Christian communities that that <laughs> yeah. you guys know the word I'm speaking of. And I'm, Ecclesiastic. I'm, I thank you. Ecclesiastic. <laughs> Ecclesiastic. Thank you. There you go. Um, and the way that essentially they said, hey, we're going to make our own communities, we're going to have our own rules, and we're going to be accountable not to your God of Caesar, but to our God of, you know, who, who we perceive and conceive of that. So these are the sort of corollaries that I see going on. Uh, and furthermore, the thing that I find even more intriguing about it is the way that people take this on themselves and say, I want to hold myself accountable to this new form of law that I feel gives me greater protection and assurances than any state can. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like, I, so I, I think one of the things along along this lines, one of the things that initially makes me think about is like Genesis Genesis chapter three, because like in Genesis chapter three, you have this you have this serpent, which is you know this spiritual like everyone even they like they didn't actually think this is some serpent who can talk. Like this is a this spiritual being comes to them and basically tries to assert an authority that, you know, that he didn't have. He tries to assert this authority, and by their submission to his authority, he gets this authority. And so, like, it just seems to me like that that's so much of, I mean, like, why in the world do we, do we care at all what this World Economic Forum, like, these are a bunch of unelected people. Why do we care what any of these people say? They're, they're literally, the only reason why they have power is because we're, <laughs> we're choosing to acknowledge their power. And so mm -hmm. I think this is this is one of these things that is just re is really difficult is parsing out like what is legitimate authority and where does it come from and and how do you differentiate by what standard do you differentiate that from something like self-assumed authority which again everyone we all recognize like this this is an issue but I think the 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 difficulty of of these kind of conversations is is that different groups have different have varying levels of standards of where does just authority or where does where does authority come from? What is the source of of, of authority ultimately? Uh, the, problems. <laughs> and the classic thing of of somebody debating an anarchist is like, oh, so you're just saying you don't want them to have the rule over you, so everybody just gets to decide for themselves what is right, and that just sounds, you know, anarchic in the derogatory term, that sounds like chaos. That, that's no way to structure a society. Um, so, but it, it seems interesting, like you're saying with Bitcoin as a, as a way of, it's not, we don't get to just, we don't all get to make our own money. Like we don't get to, to be shitcoiners. We don't uh, get to uh, make Bitcoin 2.0. We, we have to obey and abide by this new you know, system to, to benefit from it. So we're not just making a law unto ourselves, but it is also not 
fiat in the sense of it's not just because somebody said so that we will use Bitcoin. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that this is a phenomenal question because uh, a lot of my work deals directly with Thomas Hobbes, uh, specifically De Civ and Leviathan. He wrote Leviathan first, first in 1648, and then he wrote De Civ, I think, in 1654. Uh, and it's widely regarded kind of as the, the first real political theory to be presented. And uh, one of the things that really captured my attention in it was the first was that he pretty much says, like, look, like the the sovereign is like the unitary grantor of authority and however he gets that. However, the exception is, is that uh, the convent that can never be relinquished is the one of safety and security. So if your sovereign can't offer that, he's illegitimate, can't have it at all. And the other is that kind of the end of Leviathan, he really surmises the authority of the sovereign as being a authority, not truth creates legitimacy. And he utilizes this decree to essentially say this is what fiat decrees are and why the sovereign can do it is because he is the ultimate arbitrator of authority, because he's mm -hmm. supposed to derive his power from God directly. And because he does have full surety and accountability to God, he should offer you the full protection and security that any sovereign is supposed to do. However, 500 years on the back end of this, it turns out that like we live in clown world and that like almost nothing <laughs> is true in almost any regard. Well, well there, and, there's almost a way of reversing some of what you just said in the sense of like there's a there's a incentive model for a, a an authority to create danger for the constituency to create legitimacy for their authority. Yeah. And like we're on the we're like at the most extreme back yeah. end of that. And that's why I think Giorgio Ambigan is so essential, because he pretty much, in my opinion, he does a really great job of being like, look, like how statism functions is based on this ability for them to kill people. And as they've technologically advanced, that ability to kill people has not only gotten more extreme, but it's also gotten a lot more kind of wonky in terms of who and how it labels people. And he goes through great examples, you know, not, you know, most familiar we are with the Jews and the Holocaust that happened, but he, he cites tons of different genocides and i think it's really interesting because we look at how these these are pretty much just total ideological unhingements uh, mm -hmm. and one of the ones i learned about recently is like in the cultural revolution you literally had these two branches of communism debating each other about whether or not now could be critiqued and like anybody who was like yeah maybe he could be critiqued they like literally killed them and ate them yeah. for that yeah they're, they're like they're capitalists who need to be ate and so, like, yeah. to me, this goes to show, like, a lot of the super unhinged ideas that create themselves through authoritarianism and the abilities to submit oneself to that. And so now, because of the way that this violence has incentivized the ability for untruth to essentially supplant the truth as legitimacy, has escalated to the most extreme place where, like, now we have these crazy surveillance things that are, like, monitoring anybody. And we have, like, you know, the these characters from the w wef and ibs being like yeah we're gonna like give you digital money where we monitor everything and have mm. total control over you and like again not an authority on this subject but like that sounds an awful lot like the antichrist <laughs> in the market <laughs> so, so, something that has actually been really i think a real positive result of of covid the covid regime is, is have you are you familiar with the great barrington declaration yes i am and uh so it's it's basically it's it's, it's a, a very long kind of hard to read 
theological treatise, but it's been very popular and it's gotten a around to a lot of Christians because a lot of Christians have grown up with and know, like kind of existing American <clears throat> Christian culture are pretty familiar with rules about you obey authorities, um, that God places authorities above you and that you are you are to honor them and do what they say and you know render unto caesar what is caesar's those kinds of things um and then we saw this kind of great injustice happening in the world not that there weren't injustices before but here's one that was pretty visceral because you you had to stay in your house um and so you you have this barrington declaration that is basically a theological exploration of when you are allowed to disobey a government, and and kind of what you're saying, like, well, if this uh, this person's authority comes from God, God's not, they they are they have authority as long as they are still in line with God, or at least not, you know, obviously in rebelling against God. So if if, if they demand to, for you to do something that is obviously counter to what God would want, uh, then a Christian has a, a, a right or a lot of times I think even an obligation to disobey which and so the, the fact that that is coming into the consciousness of a lot of Christians in the past couple of years to me is really exciting because it's it's a deeper richer theology about who we obey and it's potentially a, a, will help be an anecdote to um, an antidote to to a lot of tyranny I hope yeah, yeah, I hope I, it's I think not an, an antidote, but, but or an antidote, <laughs> but an antidote. Uh, yeah. yes. I think one of the things that is just it's really difficult for people is is considering who is speaking the word. I speak to people about you know disobedience. Like, at what point do you do you disobey? <laughs> do you disobey the the civil magistrate? You have people who, with a straight face, will tell you will tell me that well, you know. Romans 13 is this passage that gets cited a lot. I actually had somebody obey. quote Romans 13 last night when yeah. we were talking. Yep. So obey the governing authorities, you know, and then obviously there's things about taxation and all these things. But they, they will say those things. And at the Here's same... The, oh, go ahead. Uh, let, me, let me just read it. The, yeah. NI, the NIV. Sure. Uh, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities yeah. that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Yes, and that is, and that is a hundred percent true. Okay, now what that what that does not in any way contradict is that <laughs> is the fact that all authority that claims to be authority is not legitimate authority. There's plenty of there's plenty of authority that people can just claim. You know, they could say, "Hey, we just because we have this." this legitimate authority, we're going to try to claim more than that. Like though those two things do not follow. So my, my, you know, receiving and, and submitting myself to the level of authority to which God has given these, you know, given these, these governing authorities does not mean that when they supersede those bounds, I am bound to, I am duty bound to obey them. And so the, the reason why you can know this is because the same person who wrote those words was killed by Rome <laughs> for, for telling thousands of people to worship Jesus as God and not Caesar. But the difficulty is 
you have a you've had generations where they haven't thought through these things deeply and hadn't had to think through they haven't had a, a government telling them they couldn't go to church you know as happened during during the pandemic i mean th- these are not new questions whatsoever i mean literally like i said this the first example of this goes back to i mean literally the beginning of the bible it's the story of the entire bible is a story of an illegitimate authority Claiming authority that did not belong to him and subverting in, in you know all kinds of things that came that went wrong as a result of that. Um, well, and go ahead. correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the Old Testament literally open with "In the beginning there was the Word"? So, so that would be John. That'd be the book of the book of John. But okay, it, so, Genesis is in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. But so yeah, that's yes, yes. Okay. Uh, well, and I just because uh, to me like. At the very bottom, Bitcoin's all linguistic. Like this, this has nothing to do with technology. Yeah. It has nothing to do with money. Like it literally has to do only with language. And to mm-hmm. me, that's what's so important is that it essentially gives us a much higher fidelity language than we have ever had access to, to before. And so while everything in the Bible is super accurate, great stories, great parables that give us great paths to understand, it's all gotten extremely muddled over the last 2000 years because of the way that these have been not only translated from other languages into other languages, but then those direct misinterpretations. So now we're almost at this place where our language is so muddled that this idea of like saying, hey, like obey the authorities, what like this requires for us to like do this, you know, like three year long discourse and trying to figure out like what that actually even means. And so to me, what mm-hmm. Satoshi did that was so absolutely brilliant and gracious was that like he gave us a language that has us speak in a fidelity where there is no possibility for for misinterpretation about what that is it's either valid or it's not and Mm -hmm. to me it's this whole form of, of thought and the mode of being able to understand things like this that's such a key essential because as we're you know this authority and furthermore, like, I believe the authority of how Bitcoin function, you know, that that operates inside of the parameters of, I think, how God would want his language to work, because there is no possibility to lie here. And to me, mm-hmm. like, that's I find that really fascinating because literally everything else on this planet will lie to me. Yeah. And like, and it's not like it's a maniacal thing at this point in time, nor even intentional. It's just both language and logic itself has become so deeply confused and muddled that uh, a great example is you know just trying to talk to people about the idea of god or spirituality a lot of people kind of like laugh at it and they're like oh yeah some guy in the sky like how stupid you know like it yeah. like i find it really laughable that like you're actually not even trying to think about it in any meaningful yeah. way you're just like yeah. the guy said that this was a dumb idea so i like went with that because like i want to bang a bunch of hookers and do cocaine and like that's 100%. okay in this world but not in this guy's world so yeah yeah, that's that's Aldous Huxley. I mean, that's Aldous Huxley, famous atheist, wrote you know Brave New World, and he, he basically said we had very good reasons for being atheists because basically it, it it was this eyes wide open atheism and not this principled you know I've gone down the path and explored everything and came out an atheist. You know, it, it wasn't that at all in his case. Uh, anyhow, Paul, go for it. Well, yeah, I mean, something that that, kind of, that makes me think of is is kind of this idea of of um, me- mediated truth. It's like, yeah. Uh, and, and this way, I, I think maybe probably where I would have pushback against some of the stuff you've written um, and some other people in these pieces that maybe aren't like literally calling like 
Bitcoin is atom for atom God, you know, or, or I don't know how you even say that Bitcoin is just blank is God. Uh, but uh, the, the, the idea that a, lo a lot of us, basically all of us, have some form of mediation between the truth. Um, and, and so, so, for instance, you know, I uh, cannot, you know, plug my hand into my Ethernet port in my wall and, you know, sync with the blockchain, right? So I use a computer to, to, to synchronize with the blockchain and I run software that validates, you know, the blocks and the signatures. Um, and so I'm trusting, you know, that, that my computer hasn't been compromised. I'm, you know, trusting this supply chain of software and hardware. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, to be honest, the, 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 the Satoshi part is actually some of the easiest to validate. Just looking at just the, the lines of C++ that are, are the, the Bitcoin system at, at, its, at its most basic. But there's a lot of there's a lot more C++ in that GitHub project that, you know, like, well, what if what of these other lines that I don't understand or haven't read, you know, somehow manages to contradict the, the, the law or the, the, uh, the rules of the system. Uh, and, and we also, you know, we obviously see that in, in uh, Christianity. I think it's, it's very possible. I, I, it's, it's surprisingly possible, I think, to, to get a lot of, of meaning, uh, from the Bible, and it, it has been translated, but it, it, there are uh, several translations available, uh, and they are typically like one layer removed from the original uh, language, and we have well-preserved texts for that. But most people get most of their spiritual truths mediated via other people um, mm -hmm. and digested by other people or you know, through a pastor or just culturally. Uh, or you know, or, or like out of context, for instance, within the terms of Romans thirteen. Uh, so, or, so you know, I, I don't know, the I think Catholic idea, that, you know, just being the top down as well. Yeah, like you know, yeah, 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 that yeah. A, a, a human authority is what is allowed to tell you what is true about God. Yeah, what's fascinating about that is when you you see. If you go back to the Apostle Paul, okay, so the Apostle Paul, he's traveling around the Mediterranean. He's, he's sharing about this message of this guy, Jesus, who literally turned his life upside down. And he doesn't, he doesn't do what the Catholic Church, he doesn't say, I am this. He basically, he, he says, you know, take this, you guys take this and think about it. And there was this group of people in, in this town called Berea. And these people, they're commended by the scriptures because they didn't just take his word for it. Like they went back and examined the, the Hebrew scriptures and basically weighed out, does what this guy's saying, does it jive with what we have in these, in these Old Testament scriptures? And so there, there's very much this spirit of like, don't trust, verify, <laughs> that is praised you know, throughout the scriptures. In the Christian conception of things, truth comes from God. And reason is one of these instruments that we have, and these tools that we have to be able to discern truth. Um, God created us. God you know, designed truth and designed our minds and designed us to be able to reason in order to be able to access that truth. Now we, again, we, the fact that we have the ability to reason doesn't mean that we reason perfectly. It's like a muscle that needs to be exercised and, and trained. Well, well, and to me, like one of the dangers is specifically in this extreme nihilistic territory that we reside within, like reason is this, uh, like it's this lobotomized process of uh, like the superiority of science and that like there's no mystery left over, uh, mm -hmm. which I find hilarious because it's like, 
you realize like that's what doctors were doing in, like 1850 when they were like bleeding people out. They were like, oh yeah, like we we like totally know this works and this is like the answer, <laughs> as opposed to being like maybe there's something we don't quite get here. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's like a really important and dangerous thing to understand about modernity is that like most people's reasoning. Uh, like a great idea is like if, if you feel something is true to you or if that you have, you know, if, if your higher power tells you something that resonates with you, according to this world, like like throw that out. Like that's just there's no point to that. You can't verify it. So throw it out. But it completely forgets the fact that like you as a self-sovereign being are allowed to subjectively allow and pursue that. And it doesn't mean like, hey, we make that the concrete fullness of where we go, but it's like, this feels pretty important. I'm going to pursue it. And frankly, for me, that's what most of my path in what I've wrote about in Bitcoin has taken me is like, I feel like this is pretty true. I totally don't know if it is, but I'm going to follow mm -hmm. it. And I feel really yeah. privileged in that following that. I feel like not only upgraded my own reasoning, but it also gave me a much deeper sense of who my God is and how like, like I, 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 I I think God is like the the best joker on the planet, which makes sense that like he's kind of watching everything. And it's done, done out of love, but it's because like he almost wants us to look foolish enough enough times that we go, oh yeah, you like love me. I have this like logical process that I can use. And like, turns out that like, if there's an accounting error with money, that's like super problematic for everybody all the time. And that's one of the things I think about Bitcoin that, uh, is so radical, particularly for people that are atheist or agnostic and have a sort of spiritual awakening from Bitcoin is that it feels like for at least for me and I know of a few others that have the same feeling of that. It's the first time that we've really encountered truth. And because of that, it creates this really radical transcendental awakening where we go, well, wait, hang on, like maybe truth actually is this radically important idea so much yeah. so that it overcomes everything else. And what's really cool is just seeing that turn happen for a lot of people who, you know, like myself, many didn't have any real interest towards religion or theology. And now they're like, yeah. oh, all right, like, I'm, let's check this out. Maybe there is something <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and I think this is from, I, I forget where I heard this, but I think it was from rereading your piece recently of, of um, yeah, it's like, Bitcoin is like, well, here's what it would look like to do money without stealing or or allowing other people to print it, which is also steal. It's like, here's a money system without stealing. <laughs> what do you think yeah. about this this version of money? Do you like this? Uh, so in that in that sense, I think I, I like I fully uh, I'm fully on board for the, for this Bitcoin as in sense accessing some something that is kind of an eternal truth it's it's something that's just um almost obviously true um but it has always been true and we uh we can ignore it at our own peril um and it is possible as humans i think to ignore a true thing like this and act in a different way but it is not ever to our benefit to ignore this truth and and bitcoin maybe you know helps illustrate and make it much more obvious the the uh the the logic of, of the truth. That well, sense. and and going further on that, uh, one is is like I imagine that like in Augustine City of God, like the like this is how they would issue money. You know, like they'd be like, all right, check it out. Like nobody can steal from each other, and we'll have a system. Well, okay, so so I thought about that. I don't think you need all the you don't need the checks and balances 
right? You need you you probably want to like uh, in the city of God you could maybe just get away with a, a mutable Excel spreadsheet, like a sh one shared Excel. You know, because nobody's going to lie. It's just hard to remember. Um, all yeah, the numbers I, that's pretty we only need excel and not a blockchain because the database <laughs> doesn't need to be expensive because we can't right. yeah you know yeah uh, i do i so do this think is how we solve the scaling problem i guess and, and, and that's <laughs> kind of what leads me to believe that while bitcoin is a a a, a, a wonderful system and, and a, obviously a world-changing and monumentally amazing system it, I don't think of it as a perfect system because it has humans in the loop. It, it has great incentive models to keep those uh, humans in line, but it has humans in the loop, and therefore I, I almost feel like almost by definition can't be can be perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, perfect in and of itself is like quite a loaded word, so I'm not sure how to exactly parse that out, but. To me, one of the other reasons why I explicitly use this context of, of messianic is to to me, when I look out in the world right now and I see the acceleration of technology and the state's ability to seize and authoritatively take over that, like I see the end of times coming. And uh, I honestly would be like full on victory if we didn't have Bitcoin. And to me, like this is what's so important is that and again, like it's and it's not because Bitcoin gives us some money to liberate ourselves from fiat money, but it's doing that in conjunction with this radical truth that seems to be having us turn. And so like my greatest hope for Bitcoin is that like when we reach the fully Bitcoinized world, like Bitcoin actually won't have like it won't become we won't need it anymore because like now we have all this technology and ability to be like, Hey, like it turns out that like living peacefully with each other and like not stealing from each other is like great for everybody. It's like a really good thing. And like we'll all get it and we'll be like, do you know that like in the twenty first century they were just like printing out money and being like, Yeah, that's like legitimate. And we'll go like, Wow, yeah. like that's what that's crazy. What? So there's just like they just did the math wrong and they were like, No, no, it's okay. We're like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, what's crazy is like what you're what you're describing, and I I, had, I hadn't thought about Bitcoin maybe like once or twice. I thought about Bitcoin in in this lens, but when you just think about Bitcoin as like this perfect law, right? Like it's 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 this law code that's perfect. It does what it's supposed to do, and and in that sense, like Bitcoin's you know perfection as a law like calls to mind like the in my mind calls to mind like the Mosaic law, and Paul talks in talking about like the, he basically says. The Mosaic law like came and it was it was supposed to be this temporary thing. And he says the law was our was our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And he says like the, the, the reason the law existed, the law was great. It said, don't lie, don't steal, treat your neighbor the way that you would love to be treated. He basically said, like, if the world if the world listened to the law, like everything would be awesome. Like this would be the best place to live ever. The problem was the law that so accurately described what people should do was powerless to make it happen. And so when I think about Bitcoin, I, again, I see this, I see, man, this is so good. This is so helpful. And yet, the, when I look at Bitcoin, the best, the bull case for what Bitcoin can do is get us back to pre-Jekyll Island in, in one very real sense. Because what it can do is it can get us to the point where we have sound money, but what it won't do is take out of wicked men's hearts the desire <laughs> to want more than they have. You know, it, it's it's a limitation of Bitcoin, not because it's a weakness with Bitcoin. It's a designed like this is 
money can only do what money was designed to do. And when you think about what money is designed to do, when I, to frame this in Christian parlance, is money is designed to honor God, to love God, and to love people. And so money, like good money, allows me to honor my neighbor's time, hard work, all these things. It allows me to, to basically say, hey, you denied yourself. You, you, know, you refused just to, just to do whatever you want to do, and you served me. You provided value to me. And so I want to, I want to say thank you by giving you something of value that will, that will recognize the, you know, the work that you've done. And money is a tool, and, and tools are created with purposes in mind. And, and once they fulfill those purposes, that's, that's the end. That, that's where this ends. Bitcoin does a great job of preserving our, our time and money and all these things. The question, though, is, is what are people? And, and what do we ground um, the fact that humans have value in? You know, is it, is it, is it purely a pragmatic, you know, we believe that human value is important because, you know, we're humans and, and it's just pragmatically that. Or is there something beyond that? Um, and I think the crazy thing is when, when you look at the scriptures, again, people have value because in the same way that human money basically carries, you know, the glory of man across time and space, like people are created in God's image and are in a very real sense, God's money, because we carry his glory through time and space. And so like we, we you know, money has value because it, it stores our, our glory. And then we have value ultimately because we're created in God's image. There's like an accounting for everything in within the Christian uh, worldview. What I don't see Again, it's like the grounding. That's again. That's my question for for my my Bitcoiner friends who don't subscribe to that. Is well, what is the ultimate grounding? You know, in in the idea that we should we should preserve human human labor. Because again, that's the whole value proposition for Bitcoin is is that it's a sound money that stores human value, right? Well, I would say this grounding, and I mean, like this is cool that we've sort of because like asking this question of value kind of sends us off into left field pretty deep in my opinion which is is great and i think <laughs> one of the main questions is that like you know like we we are all finite beings that will experience death period like that mm. that is going to be the most essential experience for each one of us and being able to thoughtfully reflect on that and to interact in the world in such a way of knowing that we have a limited amount of time and now instead of us operating with a monetary system that goes, no, 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 no. Like there's an infinite amount of money that could be produced. Well, none of us have infinite time. So like now the measurements of all things are totally muddled up in a way that it can't make any sense. And for me, this is what I've found is why a lot of individuals are so nihilistic is that they really want the idea of God. But when they go out and interact in the world, they're like, this place is super yep. messed up and absolute yep. nonsense. Like how could... How could there be a God in this place? And like, I, I want to be like, chill. Like, I, I totally understand. Like, yeah. what if it turns out that like everything is so messed up that that's kind of part of the equation? And like, yeah. you needing to like get through all of the weeds to actually go like, oh, like it turns out that like this place is screwed up. And that like, God, and like, well, and to me, like, this is one of the other things is, is that like, I think God loves us so much that he delivered us to this super messed up place. And then also had Bitcoin produced out into the world, not to, you know, be his unitary tool, but for us to be able to discover, to reason over, to wrestle with, and to ultimately come to with that, like, if I'm an individual that believes in a higher power and wants to be held accountable towards those ethical parameters, well, then I should love and respect you enough to interact with you with a money that has these limitations that honor 
the ability to say, yes, you will die. Yes, there there needs to be a finite amount of units so that when we do labor, that when we do compete, that when we do put our efforts out into the world, there's a meaningful measure to that. In the exact same way that there's also no way for someone to come along and go, well, you know, I deserve 10,000 extra units because I help do X, Y, or Z. And this just unilaterally sets that aside and says, no, we're going to say that everybody's work is sacred, that everybody's time is sacred, and that no one should have any ability to dilute that or steal it from you because God loves you enough. You know, and, and to me, like, again, like, it's really cool, all of the math and stuff, but this has always existed. This is just the fundamental nature of the world of how God made the place operate. And so at the very bottom of all of this, that we could find out that God loves us enough to give us this tool, to me, deeply moves me because in this nihilistic world, I don't see any other way to recover ourselves. Well, you were talking earlier about kind of a, as a language of value. I don't know if you use that term. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I, re- I referred to Bitcoin as, as that in my talk as a shared language of value. And it's kind of cool. It's like a, it's a language designed for making it harder to lie about value i know it's like it's kind of a uh a lot of um there's been dreams of a logical language that you couldn't couldn't express untruths um and there's reasons why that's not really possible apparently to construct but but uh well until now language of (laughs) okay well i mean the reason why that that is man i always forget is is uh is it girdle's incompleteness there there's a reason why it's impossible to create a language that can't have self has no self-contradictions so you know why can bitcoin have no self-contradictions well i think Uh, i think the reason is because its parameters are so tightly limited it's because like we can't like i can't talk to you about like my bathtub or something like like we're we're dealing with these really rigid parameters uh Mm -hmm. and so Perhaps some of my my disservice to to saying it's a perfect language is not acknowledging these strong parameter limitations. But I think it's really phenomenal in that uh, like a transaction is a literal communication of peace because I'm saying like, hey, I want to like give you this thing. You want to like give it back to me. And like instead of me like hitting you with a stick or like yelling at you, like this is a fully peaceful thing. And not only peaceful, like there's actually a component of love in that, too, because like. I'm yeah. saying, hey, like, I want to offer this in exchange peacefully instead of being like, yo, I like like that stuff that you got. And like, you know, yeah, give it up. And so, like, yeah. the other p- portion of all of this is that, like, uh, like, we're super deep in the belly of the beast. And that, like, there's like a lot of decent human beings in the world who are like, look, like it, if like authority A tells me to come over and like conk you over the head, like, that's totally cool. And to me, my hope is, is that through seeing what Bitcoin is and these kind of conversations about who is the authority and has the right to that, that individuals are going to start thinking a lot harder about like, do I really need to like clock this? Like, is violence really this necessary tool that we need to make all of this work? Um, Because again, for me at the end of the day, like I, that, that's why I'm so affected about this is because my background in history and philosophy has me understand that, you know, the last 70 years of our monetary system in my opinion, has very explicitly been used for the, the conduct of war and genocide on the greatest scale that has ever been used. Uh, and to me, like that, that's unconditionally evil. 
and I think it's pretty awesome that like somehow out of the internet pops up this thing that's like, hey, do you like not do you not like violence and genocide? Because we got something for you. <laughs> well, I mean, to that point, and kind of to, to Jordan's point earlier, like like uh, what if Bitcoin's best case is like the pre Jekyll Island scenario? Like w- there was definitely war and violence on a gold standard. So is there something? so qualitatively different about you know because and, 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 and gold, a gold standard is tied to physics uh you know it has you know there is is seemingly a finite amount of gold in at least on the planet uh so there is is, is some kind of uh deeper truth or law that is is acting when you participate in an economy on a gold standard. So what is it about a, a Bitcoin standard that would be some sort of leap forward for humanity that would, would potentially leap away from violence? So I think, I actually think it's twofold. And I think the first one is, is that uh, I don't think we would just return to pre-Jekyll Island because uh, even on a gold standard, like violence was still like a pretty useful tool to be able to extract mm-hmm. wealth. And also sure. doing that on a much more massive level, like showing... Mm-hmm. You know, like a great example is uh, during World War Two, like we just like took six Marines. They like marched into Haiti, like leveled the rifles and we're like, hey, check it out. We're like stealing all of the gold that you have. And they're like, uh, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and in addition to uh, like, I think the Internet's this insanely powerful tool that's way underappreciated, even mm-hmm. even with how much appreciation we give it. Like, I don't think that there's this ability to really step back and acknowledge, oh, this thing's going to like probably outlive us and be around for a long time and be really valuable to humanity. And so I think the non-physical nature of how Bitcoin is decentralized through the Internet is going to essentially bloom and give us a number of other self-sovereign tools that are going to be very, very important towards sort of moving forward in a different way. And there's a a great French word called surveillance, which is the idea of being able to utilize surveillance to help you expose what's going on. And I think surveillance is going to become a much more powerful tool. And like I kind of see in this distant future, not only are we going to have Bitcoin, but there's going to be a whole plethora of different applications and assortments that essentially like if somebody shows up to club me to take my Bitcoin, I'm not only going to be able to put that on the airwaves where I'll be like, yo, Paul, like if you're in my neighborhood, like I'd really appreciate if you showed up with a shotgun because like I got a Bitcoin for you if you could do that. Um, (laughs) You know, not again, not to say that we want to engage or meet that. But if somebody is coming at us and aggressing and threatening us, you know, we need to be able to respond in a thoughtful way that can continue to keep us protected and safe along with our communities and neighborhoods. Uh, And then the final component to that as well is I think that this transformation that I seem to be witnessing both with myself and many of my friends that have us get closer to spirituality. Like I think, I think this sort of jump starts that engine for a lot of people who would have been unavailable for it before. And I think that that evolution as it plays out farther and farther, I think is going to, you know, two or three generations from now, I feel strongly that we're going to see much more spiritually and religiously inclined people and a comfort with that as well and the communities that form around it. you know like uh imagine just how beautiful it would be if you had a large congregation of your church and like everybody knew what bitcoin was everybody was engaging in mutual exchange with it and sort of not only those relationships getting developed but the trust that like the fact that we could be like hey i'm gonna like sell you a tractor or something and we like 
have our interaction and like, you know, you send me Bitcoin at zero confirm. I'm not like sitting here worrying about that because like I trust you, you know, like it, mm -hmm. it would be fine even if the network wasn't as powerful as it was because like there's not an opportunity where I think you're actually going to betray me here. And so I think all of these things are going to play into creating a much more spiritually inclined community because of this encounter with the truth and the way that we're also going to see it erode traditional authority, which will create more questions. I think there's point. something really beautiful about the the the, the, you know, the local church peer to peer economic exchange. I'm really trying to get like some sort of like food co-op in a church parking lot kind of scenario. Yes. And I think I think it's just it's something I'm noticing as a trend. Like you know like why am I interested in lightning? I think there's some aspect of when you when you when you can eliminate a stack of middlemen. Uh, in a transaction, you get an opportunity to have a, like a trust relationship with the actual producer of the good or the provider somehow um, that that does have this opportunity to like to build these deeper relationships and and to actually kind of add more morality to your economics rather than treating economics as like, like a, a separate amoral realm. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of kind of the radical truths that actually is of the world you know like all things are holistic and like it turns out that like the economy is this extremely deep important part of our world that we we've just sort of scissored off from ourselves to be like that's that own thing and for me that's also why i find it sort of hilarious when i talk to people uh specifically individuals that are like far left and like really fired up about changing stuff and i'm like okay okay so like money and corruption is like this really important issue so like check it out i got like a great solution and they're like well, i don't get it like how is a money gonna solve these problems i'm like well mm -hmm. can't yeah. help you there sorry yeah i think one of the things Sa go ahead go ahead paul oh i was just gonna say safety and i had something really great on his podcast about that recently it was like how did you write fiat stand and it's like well in the fiat world if you're like a journalist maybe you hear a hint of corruption at a pharmaceutical company so you start digging into it and you talk to a whistleblower and then you get all this testimony and evidence and you can like go to the world and say hey there's corruption at this pharmaceutical company whereas from a bitcoin perspective a sound money perspective you're like well there's fiat money there's these fiat money incentives. So of course there's corruption at this pharmaceutical company. Like, you know, it's just kind of a different starting point. Yeah, I think I think one of the things when you were just talking about the the, the way that Bitcoin is is channeling like people's spirituality and like they're they're coming back to that. Like I definitely see that I mean happening. Existentially that that is happening. The thing the reason why that doesn't excite me maybe to the same level as as <laughs> I don't know, as maybe those other people is I mean, when I look at human history I see that almost everyone who's ever lived until five minutes ago was religious. Just they had some, they had some divine accounting for God, and there were still all kinds of things that were done, such as child sacrificing. I think like the the specificity in religion is just as important as specificity within crypto. The details between Christianity that differentiate Christianity from Islam, for instance, are very much, it's the same kind of difference between like Bitcoin and crypto. You know, the specifics of these things really matter. These specific truth claims, these historic, you know, truth claims, these historic, you know, accountings of, you know, these things actually happening matters tremendously. And so if Bitcoin is, is step two, in, in a process that gets to those kind of discussions, then great. But religion in and of itself, 
you know, it doesn't have doesn't have you know equi- equivalent value. I was just gonna say this, this sort of brings us back full circle to where we started with authority. Is that like it? Like turns out, like if if you chose Mulach as your god, like you got it wrong. Like like yeah. sacrificing <laughs> children isn't like a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, and to me, like again, this is the same difference between Bitcoin and crypto, which I feel like more so than religion because of like the the part that's economic that hides itself is that. If you say if you're just saying, oh, like crypto is great, it's going to change the world. Well, this is clearly a lobotomized view that's not actually digging into it to think hard about it. And I feel like the the contextual debate between crypto and Bitcoin forces this logical process to be like, okay, well, like, should anybody be able to issue money? Should it be fine? Like all of these questions get dredged up that if you go through the correct operations, you ultimately arrive at, oh, turns out that like Bitcoin is actually the only money that really is going to deliver on these promises in a meaningful way. And I would hope people do the same thing with religion instead of being like, well, I grew up a Christian. So ergo, like I'm a Christian. Like I would hope that they would mm-hmm. go out and be like, I checked out Islam. Yeah. I checked out Hinduism. I checked out Mulachism. Like, they all had things to say, but also sacrificed a few kids to see how it would feel. I gotta admit, like hearing that baby scream in the fire, it just it yeah. didn't leave me feeling yeah, yeah. great. I didn't feel and great like, about it. That's really important because there there is going to be a class of people who are like, Yeah, it did make me feel great, but you know, like Mulach said, doing that gets me into heaven. And, and like yeah. yeah, the reason I'm bringing this up is like this is literally what Eichmann was saying in, you know, in the Hannah Arden's book, Eichmann in Jerusalem, where like when they were trying to like pin him down and be like, you're evil, dude. There's always this like reasoning that he would have. That was yeah. like, no, like I was obeying the authority. I'm a great citizen. I was yeah. listening, you know, and then she ultimately goes, oh, like this is why evil's banal is because like he can't actually think for himself in a meaningful way. Like like God gave him the self-sovereignty to use the reasoning that you were talking about earlier. And he yeah. just disposed of that and was like, well, we'll just do what this guy says because that's what I was told to do. I, I, I wrote this whole uh, a piece called Christianity for Bitcoiners uh, uh, around this concept of that, that, that um, you know, choosing another God other than the God of the Bible is, is, is like shitcoinery compared to Bitcoin. And the, the, the thing that really stood out to me is is in the old testament the people of 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 israel are rescued out of egypt after like like a a series of epic plagues on egypt so like huge miraculous events have happened nationwide uh, over the course of you know months um then they are finally allowed to leave they go through a, a a sea that is literally parted by god like so they see just the most tangible miracles then they're led into the desert and they're like they're led by like a pillar of fire or there's like a cloud they're all these just like the most overt miracles which you know it's easy right now in the modern times to say like well i don't god's not you know coming down every day and telling me about himself you know it feels like i have to like go look for the evidences of god it's not super obvious but the story of the bible it is very obvious to these people what is true and then the moment they're out of egypt and and moses steps away for a second to get some law from god (laughs) they make an idol and they start (laughs) worshiping the idol so there's something about I, i don't know the word is not rational but there's something about the human like the 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 Christian term would be like the flesh, the fleshly mind, the the corrupted human mind that will find a way to somehow so quickly forget 
what is God? Yeah, there's there's a moral forgetting. Like there there's a moral element to remembering and forgetting. And so this is it's a hilarious story because when you <laughs> like what it says well, is like, their, their justification. Go ahead. I, I just want to point out what like and like how strange it is that like we're talking about this technology that's explicitly designed so like it can't forget. Like it's <laughs> yes, it's just weird. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And so this is so what what happens is they have this the, the way the story is, you know, Moses comes back down the mountain, he's like, What did you guys do? And they're like, We just threw our gold into the fire and out popped this golden calf. <laughs> like it just it just popped out. Like we don't know what happened. And and I I think like again, what it comes back down to, so much of this comes back down to what does it mean to be human? Because humans are not just cold, irrational beings. Like we're not, we are, we're not less than that, but we're more than that. And, and this would be another reason why like you're like, you'd be skeptical that Bitcoin's going to fix everything because like Bitcoin, like Bitcoin, again, it has this hard, rigid truth that shows you over and over again, you can verify all these things, but that's not how the mall works. You know, that's not how the mall work. Like you go to the mall and they're immediately bypassing your mind. They're not trying to help you think about, you know, your in your inputs and your outputs in terms of your checking account. Do I have enough money to buy this, you know, sweatshirt? They're literally trying to engage every single one of your senses in order to help you respond viscerally and not and not rationally. Your accounting of, of what it means to be human has to factor in that we have these we are flesh and spirit. We are, you know, rational, and we, we are people who have these these other desires, and they're in this constant dance, and we have to work them out and have them submit to each other. Uh, so, well, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll take it one step farther. Is that like, and and it's not just that we're human and that we exist, but that we exist today in our current world with everything mm-hmm. that's occurring. And so for me it becomes even like, look, like if I want to be a good individual to serve my God how I want to, I really have to take a step back and say, okay, you know, there's a weaker genocide going on right now. Like what, Mm -hmm. like that's clearly not okay with my God. And I clearly need to respond in a meaningful way. And to me Mm -hmm. before Bitcoin, there was no meaningful way. And it's not to say like, now that I'm using Bitcoin, haha, it's suddenly operable. But like now I at least know that there are cases of people that are Uyghurs that can escape from China because they have a little bit of Bitcoin. And that that's mm-hmm. meaningful to me. And I think that uh, and this is kind of coming headlong into a lot of the work I'm doing right now is that I'm, I'm looking at Heidegger as a philosopher right now who's very big on the concept of being. And mm-hmm. he's really big on, you know, what does it mean to exist as a human in the world today as a human that can self-reflect and say, I am going to die. And what does that mean? Does it have any meaning? And I think so much of this is just about asking questions in new and different ways that we weren't open to before and that we couldn't see. And one on one side happens to be all of the economic stuff. But as I was saying earlier, that this is all a holistic thing that we were taught to divorce from one another when it's not true. And so I think mm-hmm. when you start going through the logic and the truth and the accounting on the economic side, it's going to force you to do the same thing on the spiritual side as well in terms of, well, does truth have real value? And like it, over here in the economic realm, it seems to have this really radical and powerful method that it uses. So like, is that mm-hmm. true in my personal life? Uh, I hope people mm-hmm. will start to be like, maybe it is, but. You you, you mentioned that, that Bitcoin is having this effect a little bit of having, you know, people like maybe come towards spirituality of some form or Christianity. Christianity specifically 
Is there an aspect there? It kind of almost sounds like a, 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 a like a, an, a small antidote to nihilism. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I I see one thing at least in the world that you can just work towards and improve improve the world via. Yeah, I mean, from I, I've heard it at this time from dozens of people that you know, like pretty crushing nihilism seems like a very purposeless and thoughtless sort of world. And that Bitcoin sort of becomes the, this glimmering light that sort of uh, in the total thick of darkness, that even if it's just a small glimmer, it becomes something to start moving towards. And it feels like that movement makes it brighter and brighter, which as that brightness increases, like, oh, like now I can see all sorts of things that weren't projected before. And it's all because of this alignment of having this unit of understanding that truth does have this purpose and cause that allows for us to make sense of the world whereas before like what's the fucking point it doesn't have any logic you know like we have people in the state that are clearly committing crimes against humanity and doing really unethical and dirty stuff and i think that this is just one of those methods out of many methods but this because we live in a hyper capitalistic world this happens to be kind of a, a very substantial one that allows for people to go, oh, okay, this actually has some meaning that I should follow. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like we're not playing 52-card pickup. There is actually, turns out, a shape to reality that is, is actually useful to adhere to. Yeah, and I, and I think what I think is even more interesting is uh, when someone seems to encounter that and it doesn't actually affect them. And... and I think that's mm. sort of part of what Bitcoin derangement syndrome is. Not if I want to, I don't want to go into detail on that, but like it <laughs> seems to me almost of that, like people sort of shoot past it and I have to, and I'll be really curious to see sort of like how that plays out in long term. Cause like there's a number of people that have obviously like moved past Bitcoin when issued their own security under the guise that it was somehow better. And I just wonder mm. if, you know, the breadth of the law and other things will catch up to them or if it'll be otherwise. Mm. Well, it's kind of that's there's also an aspect of like trying to put Bitcoin onto one of your existing mental shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Like like uh, I, I'm going to categorize this um, among things I've seen already. Uh, and so therefore it could not possibly have these different or larger implications. Yeah. And and, and funny enough, I find that uh, particularly really, really smart people like this is the thing that they struggle the most with is that like they just can't believe that it's true or that it can do the things it wants to uh and it's really funny to me how often like at least in my mind how much that's the strongest objection i get is just the unbelievability of it like this just can't Mm -hmm. be there's got to be a flaw in the code there has to be something wrong like the the state's just too powerful they can kill whatever they want and like i get it but like, I would really appreciate if you could actually dig in deeper yeah. to, to try to make the critique. Because like, if that critique exists, I really want to know. And same thing, yeah. like, this is the pursuit of all of my work is that like, I want to know if this stuff I'm saying is just totally off-base nonsense. Yeah. Or if it's rigorous enough to withstand. Here. Yeah. Yeah. The initial thing that comes to mind when I think about that is, is in the case of Christianity, it's like the resurrection, right? It's amazing when you think about... Like when you think about the, the scriptural account of the resurrection in the context of what of the clown world that we live in, you could totally see, <laughs> you could totally see Jesus literally rises from the dead 
And the Pharisees immediately go into like damage control of like, wait a second, this guy rose from the dead. We don't know where he is. There was this guard. There's no way he, these are like trained war hardened soldiers. And there's dozens of them literally sitting there. There's no way these, you know, little untrained disciples, half teenagers came and just like chased away these guys. And yet that's what we're going to have to tell people. And so they, they start perpetuating the same kind of thing. And so, again, you, you see, you know, well, that would never work. You know, that, that sounds crazy that they would do that. Well, that's actually, I mean, we see that all over the place. You see governments lying directly to the faces of their citizens all the time about things that we can prove happened. Uh, well, and, and so I, that, like, I, yeah. COVID sort of like the, the response. hundred percent. Was like I wasn't going to mention extreme. it by name. But. <laughs> Well, and it's funny because, like, for so long, the idea of plagues, like, it was simply left in the religious realm. It was like, God is punishing us. Yes. People people get sick because of whatever reason God finds fit. Yep. And this yep. is just how we have to live in the world. But instead, we got, we're the state. We are God. We will protect 100%. you because we love you. Because here's a bunch of money because we love you, too. And then yep. people are like hey, like, all that love you gave us, like, it turned out that, like, we have this insane inflation now. Is that like, part of the loving plan? No, yeah. yeah, but you, you like, got shot with, like, your eighth injection last week, right? Because, like, that's yeah. the only way we love you. If you don't, like, yeah. you need to die next winter if you didn't do that. Um, it, uh, the, ahead, the, something that you just said, like, a, a few sentences ago is that, that, that idea of you want, you want to get to the truth you, if if the smart people know what's wrong with Bitcoin, you would love to hear it. Um, I think that there, that reminded me of uh, this verse in Corinthians. Um, if if uh, if Jesus isn't raised, like if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if he's not resurrected, if like what we've been preaching and believing is not true, we're to be pitied more than all men. Um, which it's so I, it's, it's definitely it's like a distinction from this idea of well Christianity is valuable to me just because it teaches people how to be nice to each other and we can be more moral we can be happier on this earth or we can be more peaceful like in my opinion is if it's not true uh, I, I want nothing to do with it and I, and I, and I want to be rid of it like and I, I want it to die I'd, if it's a lie, then I, I'd want it to be destroyed, uh, and and so I, I think similarly with with Bitcoin. Like I, I don't I don't want any um, uh, fair weather friends of, of Bitcoin that that I'm just I'm just I'm just loving uh, or you know it, it, that's kind of the fiat mindset. Like we won't have it, too much inflation as long as people don't believe that we're going to have too much inflation. <laughs> like I don't want Bitcoin to be like sort of a faith based system in that way. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's what's so great is that I've done my homework. I think you guys have done your homework. I, like, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know for certain that there are going to be 21 million units only. That Like, there isn't some way that we're yeah. just going to inflate that out of nothing. And same thing, like, <laughs> I know having my private key secure that, like, that's literally like trying to guess a unique atom in the universe. Like, this, this is going to be like a pretty hard thing. And again, like, these are, things all function not not because uh, of how brilliant this system is but like it's just the physics that god set at the very start of everything you know if somebody mm -hmm. happened to do all of this insane math three thousand years ago they'd be like whoa look turns out we can like get numbers to these like theoretical limits where we can just like yeah. never guess a number no matter what yeah and they're like no like how's that possible and it's like god just assures it you just can't guess that many numbers you know yeah. and to me like this is the 
this is this really important remerging of like physics and mathematics and religion and language and law and like all these different fields coming back and fusing back together into this singular, uh, which ultimately for me then becomes like this transcendental thing because of how radical of a truth it is contrasted against the contemporary world. And furthermore, the radicalness of that truth against uh, not just authoritarian powers, but more specifically technological power. Like essentially what we're going into is there's such advanced and powerful technology that I think one of the big things later in the 21st century is, is convincing people that there is the ability to have privacy or a secret. That's mm -hmm. going to seem ridiculous to people. In addition mm -hmm. to the fact that you can be like, look, I have these 12 words and like it can never, ever be guessed by anybody, no matter what. People will be like, come on, like people yeah. like we're creating fission and labs and like. We can do billions of computations a second. How is it possible that 12 words could actually dignify themselves in that way? Yeah. Like, turns out that's how math works. Yeah. 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 There, there's, there's a, there's a kind of theme I'm finding emerging for me, how I think about technology of kind of similar to them trying to eliminate middlemen to be able to build true, like moral trust relationships and economics. And trying to eliminate as many stacks in your technology stack as are feasible um, because it puts you more in tune with like the, the kind of the fundament, fundamentals there. Like, for instance, nothing happened to the Internet that broke the ability to create and host your own website. It's just people got really comfortable with having a, a website hosted by Facebook for yeah. them yeah. or by MySpace or Twitter for them and they atrophied this ability and then all of a sudden now oh no they're being censored well why did that happen it, it's not just twitter and facebook's fault it's also because they gave up the yeah. shorter but harder technology stack of, of deploy your own website so i think it's similarly as as much as you know i work for a for a company that that is is in some sense a middleman uh, and and add something to the stack and I think there's valuable cases where that, that it needs to happen. But when it is possible in Bitcoin, when you can use the tools more directly and hold them you know, more intimately, you, you uh, can hopefully avoid some of the potential pitfalls there. Absolutely. You know, and, and like very much that this returns us to that same responsibility of doing your reasoning yourself to come to the conclusion uh, of whether it's spirituality or economics or otherwise, it's the self-sovereignty to be responsible enough to understand that we, by being responsible in that way, we're the ones that can assure that we can actually speak in the way that we need to speak. Uh, and like this effect is, you know, across the board in almost everything, you know, like uh, I, I grow a lot of my own food and I find it uh, not only is it delicious and, you know, much more tasty than anything I can get from the store, but like, it's like a deeply fulfilling process that like, I believe God's yeah. there with me and most of it because he's yeah. like check it out like life is awesome and like yeah. would you like these delicious treats that i grew from my tree like absolutely yeah. Yeah. you know and like that's a self-sovereignty that uh i've had very brilliant friends come and visit me and like i'm always amazed at, like they're like what this is like a raspberry like raspberries grow on bushes and i'm like yeah it turns out i'm from Kane. <laughs> like this is insane and i'm like well not really but i'm happy <laughs> But I mean, to me, like, this is the sort of lobotomized clown world that we live in. Yeah. Is that, like, yeah. everything is upside down. Like, truth is not truth. Like, it, 
Yeah. And, and and so like trying to deal with this world is it's like swimming through an inky blackness and and like you mm-hmm. can't get any meaningful anchor. And then when you put on top of that that like you have this nihilistic form of state-based capitalism that's like, well, why shouldn't I just like exploit the absolute shit out of people and kill them for money? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no yeah. point. So like once that yeah. gets kind of modified, it, there's this whole shifting that's like super important that people are like, whoa, like it turns out that like truth isn't just meaningful in an economic place. It's like meaningful in a spiritual place. It's meaningful yeah. in a personal place, you know, across the board. Yeah. And so that's the transformation mm-hmm. that I believe is happening and i think that it's happening mostly because not not only is bitcoin assembled in all this way but then like the example of satoshi i think is really important not only did he keep himself anonymous which is a statement explicitly about statism and legality today but then like he he was uh thoughtful enough to like leave his fortune there and whether it's because he's dead or otherwise like i i love the mystery of that yeah. Not only will we never know, but like I would at least want to attribute, and as far as I see, like he was gracious enough to give that to us, and I think that that's yeah. a really selfless and phenomenal act in the concourse of humanity. A great, greater love has no man than this, yeah. but he laid down his, his life yeah. for his friends. Yeah, I just definitely think again whether or not <laughs> whether or not he intended to, like the symbol still stands. I do think, I mean, there's definitely some. Christ figure things involved, like with, you know, in, within this project. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, your messianic Bitcoin piece is talking about this idea of getting away from the law. In some sense, the other thing that pops in my head is like faith, hope, love against these things. There is no law. There's this aspect of, of these core virtues of hope and faith and love. So sacri- self-sacrificial love, hope for the future, um, you know, faith, faithfulness and, and faith in God, even trusting other people, there's an aspect of, of, of a morality in that. Um, they're basically impossible to make illegal <laughs> because they emanate etern- internally and, and, yeah, they in some sense cannot be stopped. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's the, that's the phenomenal engine that's been discovered here is that, like, it, in a lot of ways, like I and like this is sort of the hilarious part to me is that like I very much believe God gave us this form of money like as a joke. He's like, check it out. I'm like going to give the humans this money, like this money that actually it turns out that like it's going to radically align them with truth and hope and faith and all these other things. Mm-hmm. That's actually going to make them like better people, but they're going to do it because of money, you know, and uh, I I always sort of like the phrase that, uh, you know, people come for the prophets, but they stay for the prophecy, if you will, you know, yeah. uh, of what a promise of a sound money standard offers to the world. Uh, and again, you know, like I, I see that as being this monumental transformative movement that I think because of how it directly affects us personally in our material lives, I believe that transmutates into a spiritual transformation as well, because of the mutually enmeshed relationships there. Yeah, like when I look at why Bitcoin is coming now and why God would do something like that right now, like you you can't overlook the degree to which God loves and cares about people. 
There's always a governor on, on the engine of human evil. He's always governing how long this will go before he just says no more. He loves he loves people. He cares about the weak. And so he's going to, he refrains evil. He does this over and over again. And then also, to your point, it's not so much like, I don't think it's so much like raining on our parade, but definitely the illegitimate and wicked ruler system. It makes me think of Psalm 2. Um, so Psalm 2 says, um, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. I just totally think about hard money. Literally for 50 years, they've been saying, look, we're going to throw off the cords. There's going to be no connection between real world goods and, and hard money. We're going to create our own reality out of thin air. And then verse four, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The day comes where these, these rulers of all these countries that have set themselves up as limitless, limitlessly powerful, all-knowing, all these things, they just get to the point where their real authority just comes through abusing their people. And so it comes to the point where God just goes, no, like you're, you're done. The last two years have just been one thing after another of you know, these mighty, supposedly mighty kingdoms all over the world looking like absolute idiots and just being revealed for the fools that they are. Uh, I think that like what, the thing that I found so phenomenal about this way that, that god loves us is that like it, it, he didn't just like come down like smack me and be like hey like bitcoin's good so you follow it it's like he literally <laughs> wants you to like use the logic that he gave yep. you to yep. understand that for yourself yeah and then to be yep. compelled by it in such a way to go speak his truth out in the world and say hey guys great news we have a money that people can't steal or inflate away from you anymore and we have mm -hmm. it because god loves you that much that like mm -hmm. it just happened that cryptography operates in this way that like it'll protect you against these insane technological mm -hmm. powers that if they could steal it they would but they can't yeah. and it's because god loves you and i want you to have it too because i love you and i don't want to be able to steal your money and i don't want to be able to inflate it and i want to be able to participate as being a peer in that network so much so that you know this is what i've chosen for my own life path just because uh not only is it like awesome and cool and fun and interesting and you know challenges me in all kinds of ways, but more than that, like it's loving. And like my experience yeah. uh, going to these conferences has been absolutely mind blowing. Just because like yeah. I, there was a day that John Vallis and I were hanging out that was just like dozens of people approach us and they're like, "Hey man, like we just really want to thank you for like having these robust and interesting conversations." Yeah. Or like maybe you get off base in some places, but we just really appreciate yeah. that. You're having real dialogue and mm -hmm. coming away from that. I was like, wow, like I feel so loved in such a different way. And that was all facilitated just by this deep curiosity about what this technology is doing and how it affects us. And seeing this community sort of bubble up and rise up together to create a, a new form of community has been truly blissful in, in watching it and and like and i feel like it's like the first chapter of this really great book yeah well that, that speaks again to that the idea you had earlier of just like it almost feels like at the end of hyper bitcoinization you don't even need the bitcoin part anymore it's like it's it's fostering all these good things in life that are you know in some sense could could 
uh, self-perpetuator live live on beyond the Bitcoin. Yeah, well, like I, I feel like almost at the end of the hero's journey, we'll like get there and we'll we'll like turn to Bitcoin. And we'll be like Bitcoin. And we'll be like, that's right. You never needed me. You just needed love. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, seriously. And now I can leave. Yeah, it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin as this pedagogical tool. Like I read a little yes. bit of that piece that you wrote about that. It is. It's designed to be this training exercise that trains your incentives it you know creates these new pathways for you to think about uh, and it's corrective and that the corrective that it that it gives us is born through like was born through the mind of satoshi and it was born through the mind of in the minds of these other people who participated as well every, every instance that we know of in, in every case that we know of um, intelligence or, or um, information is born of a mind information information is born of intelligence we have we have bitcoin nobody just goes you know this just came into existence out of nowhere no it was, it was born through a person satoshi and you know, he communicated these things with information um and and i just think like this is again one of these other things that for me just it, it points back to the these greater spiritual realities of you know like there's all kinds of people who and just think about don't know how to think about don't know what they believe about you know um just about religion more broadly and yet if you apply that same rule like where did you know where did this information we are literally coded beings <laughs> like there is literal computer code that you know programs every single process that we have going on in our body every single thing that we have every all these things that are going we're all programmed bitcoin makes me think about that it makes me come to grips with everything that is in me physically is programmed i've been programmed and so where does that come from programmer you know you know programs come from a programmer code comes from a coder um, and so it's given me this whole awesome new framework to think about God as a programmer, um, which also makes me feel not great about myself because I literally do not understand programming learn, whatsoever. Learn to code, Jordan. <laughs> learn to code. Right? Be like God and uh, learn to code. This is learn to code. Well, yeah. I mean, if you just think of like like there are all aspects of our reality that are designed to teach us lessons. Like you know, you you fall off too high of a of a, of a cliff and it hurts, and you put your hand on a fire and and it harms you and so like having it, bitcoin as a way of like hey if you if you uh, print money or you take someone else's money that hurts another that there there's like you know there's this direct consequence to this uh that, that we can't um fudge it or or hide it and you know i think a lot about that in terms of food of of kind of trying to you know in some sense i have these like learned lies over time like uh, really, it's just calories in, calories out. It doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the food or, you know, they, they, these lies that we kind of tell ourselves to kind of get by in a fiat system. And justify eating. Um, it's okay that there's it, these 2,000 cows blended up that I'm slowly eating here. Like, there's, that's totally okay. Yeah. Like, you know. And yeah, yeah I, I so, totally agree with you. Become, yeah, becoming sympathetic with reality. And then I think also becoming sympathetic with, the uh, eternity of reality as well. I mean, you talk about, you know, we're all going to die, but also we all, uh, I believe we all have eternal souls so that there are consequences to our actions right now uh, that, that resonate throughout eternity that, you know, the, uh, one of the other talks of the Thank God for Bitcoin conference was uh, uh, Tim Fox and talking about how like the now, uh, it, it, our lifetimes are kind of like a preface to a preface of, of the book of eternity. 
and I think he's leaning on C.S. Lewis for that. Uh, but that that kind of like um, uh, there's this line I really like that I, I read recently is like there's there's no eternity to injustice. So there are a lot of in, what seem like good incentives right now to participate in injustice and to just go get mine and just make an NFT or, or, or just print some money or just steal from somebody or just or hit somebody with a brick and then steal from them. But there's no um, eternity to those gains. Uh, where there are there are other forms of gains that we can participate as human beings that have these eternal rewards designed by God, a, a, a full-fledged program system by God designed for us to participate in with a whole incentive structure, like a, super, a, a large superset of the Bitcoin in, incentive structure for us to seek after God's justice and live in the rewards that he has designed for that. Or we could try to oppose God. <laughs> Well, and I, like, I'd just point out, like, sort of on a on a closing note, at least from my path, is that Bitcoin as a subset of that greater superset of God's laws and how he wants us to operate into the world. To me, that's what I, I see as being messianic, because it's this object that aligns people and has them be able to see that it's a subset of this superset. And so hopefully the process is, is that, like, wow, Bitcoin's this really, really great thing that I really like. But what I really like more about it than anything else is that it aligned me with this form of truth that mm -hmm. opened me up to the possibility that like God is the greatest truth that there is. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. why he is so profound and phenomenal is that he is this eternal truth of the universe that like mm -hmm. if we steal from people, it sucks and it hurts them. And that's bad for everybody because I have learned that exploiting and hurting somebody is that quote unquote it's of value but it's this false value that because of the way our system operates it you know mangles everything up whereas the simplicity of how this system operates and educates us as as you were saying earlier it's self-correcting in this really powerful and thoughtful way but yeah so i i hope we'll get to the 22nd century and you know we'll, we'll be like hey like Bitcoin's really great and we can use it for all kinds of functions. But like, turns out that like having our church and our community to like have free exchange with is like a lot better than using Bitcoin for everything. Yeah. And one of the things that Bitcoin teaches you is that freedom is found within the right restrictions. Bitcoin is this system that has these very, very rigid, unbending laws. And we live in a culture that tells you that you need to like just do it. All these you know, huge corporations are bombarding you all day long with all these messages that tell you to overcome your limits. Limits are there to take away your joy rather than to give you joy and protect you. And I just think Bitcoin is this awesome, this awesome tool that is, is sitting here you know, providing this truthful counterbalance, you know, preaching this other, you know, um, this other like natural, uh, you know, more ancient truth that, you know, that restrictions are good. You know, the, the presence of the right restrictions, you know, free you um, and, and protect others, protect you. Um, and so, again, I just think that's my exact hope as well, is that, you know, Bitcoin will, you know, it, that it will. We, people will be trained by it and, and learn, you know, from 
the Bitcoin, you know, how it works itself. And then, you know, just the re, the re, through the restructuring of, of incentives and everything else that comes with it, um, that, yeah, it will have this, this work, um, you know, that God, in my mind, it, God wants it to have. It just, it's really interesting how often I notice that, like, there are these uh, almost like etymological collisions that happen with, like, the idea of the self-control of Bitcoin, of being able to, like, yeah. submit yourself to something and say, I'm going to have enough self-control to know that I, I can't overpower this thing or be bigger than it. Yeah. Uh, and But also, like, the fact of, like, self-control as the self-controlling one's wealth to have surety over it mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. same way towards... I submit myself to a God, not, you know, well, I'm obviously weaker to, than him, but also through that submission to him, I get greater yes. amounts from myself because I'm saying, hey, it turns out that like I'm not all powerful and there are limits to the world. And through that self-control to say that, yeah, I get a much more high fidelity view of the world than the egoism that says, no, I can overpower anything because I'm Nike. Yay. Yeah. And just to bring it full circle, like that makes me it makes me think of what Paul was talking about in the beginning of, you know, like it seems counterintuitive that Paul would say you you have to hate Bitcoin. Like you you have to hate Bitcoin. And in order to find it as useful, in order for it to fulfill the purpose that that it should have and that it can have, you have to hate it. And Jesus he's like you have to hate your mother, your father, you know, all these you have to hate them. And, and follow me, and that's where you're going to find freedom and, and hope. And what he's saying, he's not actually saying you need to hate them, kill them, whatever. He's just saying that until you see me, until I'm put in my proper place, you won't see everything else correctly. You'll start, you'll manipulate and, and, and distort everything else for your own ends instead of my ends. If you don't submit yourself to me, you're just going to distort and twist and, and ruin everything else. You're going to destroy everybody else. Um, for your, for your own purposes, um, so I'll I'll leave Paul. I'll give you the last word, and then we we can go ahead and cut off. No, you said what I said better than I said it. So <laughs> I, I appreciate <laughs> appreciate that. Cool. Well, seriously, I appreciate you guys your time, just the work that you're doing. Uh, I am a future customer of Unchained, and we have been a patron of of Voltage uh, for we used it to stream the the Thank God for Bitcoin conference. So appreciate both of you guys and the work that you're doing. Thank you for your time, and hopefully we'll get to, this will just be the first of many, so. Yeah, I, I wanna you. just reflect both of that. I thank both of you for, for your time. I came to this a little trepidatious, you know, not sure how it was gonna go, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I think we had a really phenomenal conversation that, that was different and much deeper than a lot of conversations, so. Uh, yeah, wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed talking with both of you, and uh, I hope that uh, our flesh baggers get to meet one another in space at some point in time, and that uh, we'll have more great discussions around God and theology and Bitcoin and how all these things affect us and how we're allowing for it to change us and our communities, because I think this is, to me, these are the most important conversations. So I thank you both for, for a wonderful and phenomenal conversation. Sure thing, man, yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right, I'm going to go wake a baby up now. So (laughs) I appreciate you guys' time, and I will see you guys in the future. Have a great day. Appreciate you all.